Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hello, my friend, and welcome to, or welcome back to, depending on your experience, Catch Up with Louise McSharry. This is the podcast where I do my best to catch you up in the week, whether you have decided by choice to check out of the news, etc., which I would fully respect, or you're just really busy and you can't really get your brain into it. No problem. Um, over the course of the next hour or so, I'll catch you up on the big stories of the week from the news and also from the world of showbiz. And I've got a great interview in the middle as well. So, um, yeah, if it's your first time listening, welcome. Thanks for coming. Appreciate it. Make yourself comfortable. I hope you'll stay a while. Um, if not, updates for the week. This week was has been absolutely wild. Like just so, so busy. Um, and I hate, I hate busy chat. Like I know it's, I think it's like quite cool online now to be like, I'm so busy. I've just got so much on, blah, 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 blah. I hate being busy. It's not what I want for myself. I want many hours a day to lie in my bed and ruminate on the world. I do not want to be busy, but um, I have been insanely busy this week. That's not to say I'm not grateful for the work and all the rest, but um, it was just crazy because I had loads of work on and then I had my live shows in the Sugar Club, which I know some of you were there. It was so good. Audiences were just great. You guys, like everyone commented on how great you guys are from the staff in the Sugar Club to the production team to my guests like everyone just said that you guys are just really sound lovely up for it audience so thank you so much if you came I think we will be doing more shows I know I've heard from some of you about um you know not being able to travel to Dublin for shows and maybe wanting shows in different parts of the country and I, I think that's something that we're going to talk about so hopefully I'll have some news on that front soon um, but yeah, it was just great to do it um, and, and just reminded me once again how grateful I am to have you guys uh, giving me this career that I so enjoy. Um, so yeah, just a little note of gratitude to start on. Now, now that I've buttered you up, uh, I have an apology. <laughs> um, I, I didn't... I dropped the ball this week with the showbiz slot, okay? I, I made a mess of, the, of booking a person to do it with me and I didn't realize until the last minute. And then I it just wasn't happening. I just didn't have the time or capacity to try and sort it out properly. So what I did was, because you guys love Aoife so much, 
I decided I would ask Aoife, um, if you're listening for the first time, Aoife does the, Aoife Moore does the news catch up. I was like, how would you feel about me telling you the entertainment stories of the week? Because that's what we did. So you've got a double dose of Aoife Moore today, which I know you will not mind at all because she is so entertaining and clever. Um, and we had such a laugh actually talking about the entertainment stories. So um, yeah, so it's a, like a, an Aoife Moore sandwich where um, this week Sinead O'Shea is the bread. Sinead O'Shea is a filmmaker whose new film is out today. If you're listening on Friday, it is so good like I truly can't recommend it enough but you'll hear all about that later on it's called pray for our sinners and I'll tell you all about it um in the meantime I have gotten some questions about the live shows about whether or not they were recorded and whether or not I'll be releasing them they were recorded I haven't listened to the recordings yet but if they are um good enough which I think they should be then I will be releasing them probably on the patreon um so if you want to join the patreon you that's where you get bonus content um at least uh, two extra episodes a month. Um, there was a new mailbag episode went up this week that I really enjoyed recording. I love hearing from you guys because, of course, I welcome voice notes, feedback. You can disagree with me. You can agree with me. You can make a suggestion of something you'd like us to talk to. It tends to be quite serious, but like, you know, it doesn't have to be. If you have a sandwich you'd like to discuss or a celebrity story that you'd like to discuss, just send me an L voice note. 089-209-6423 is the number. 089-209-6423. And uh, yeah, so there we go. And if you want to join the Patreon, it's patreon.com forward slash catch up with Louise Makshari. But there's a link in the show notes as well. On that note, let's get going with your first helping of journalist Aoife Moore telling us about the week's news stories. Aoife Moore, it is just uh, so wonderful to be back with you once again. We have got so much news to talk about. I'm very excited to talk about Jerry Hutch. Okay, let's get going because yeah. I, I'll i be honest, I, I I knew this was happening. I haven't been paying attention. I was glued to this. So this was Ireland's biggest ever gangland trial. So Jerry the Monk Hutch, who is from the North Inner City in Dublin, um, the, some of the media will call him a career criminal. He would completely uh, negate that. He, you know, started out very young robbing shops. He says, like, he grew, grew up in a lot of poverty. The first thing he, first, he ever stole was a bottle of red lemonade. And he became well-known um, for robbing in his younger days. So people might remember the Regency Hotel shooting. There was a boxing weigh-in um, where a man called David Byrne was murdered. He, uh, David Byrne himself was linked to the Kinahan Organised Crime Gang. Um Immediately, fingers were pointed at the Hutch family. Um, there had been these two families had lived side by side um, with each other in the north inner city, and something had happened, some sort of row. And there was a very dramatic shootout in the Regency Hotel at a boxing, uh, a boxing weigh-in. So Jerry Hutch was very dramatically arrested in Fuengirola in Spain and extradited back to Ireland to stand trial for the murder of David Byrne, along with two other men and the former Sinn Féin councillor, Jonathan Dowdall. So the special criminal court, um, I'm not going to get into it here, but it's a ridiculous court that should not exist. <laughs> okay. Amnesty International, human rights organisations, everyone says it should not exist. So it doesn't have a jury. It's basically three judges and they decide. The evidence is different. They say it's to protect witnesses. Um, it was brought in as an emergency measure um, when the IRA were kicking about. And now it's mostly used for gangland trials. Jerry Hutch um, stood... Um, again. The charges were murder of David Byrne. It was insane. So most of the evidence was 
from Jonathan Doidal, who had gone state's witness, which was has been like unheard of in this feud. Mm. Jonathan Doidal said that he would cooperate with the state. He has already been charged with murder or accessory to murder, but he said, I will go state witness, you'll put me under witness protection, and I'll give her everything you want to know about Jerry Hutch. His evidence was flimsy at best. Like, the Giardi bugged Jonathan Doidle's car, and they had, they had 10 hours of recordings, and never once did Jerry Hutch mention being at the Regency, even being in Dublin at the time. It, like the evidence was like, a lot of people have said you know there's a lot of questions to be asked of why didn't the DPP go for lesser charges because it was so flimsy and also Jonathan Dowdell had already admitted that he had already lied to the special criminal court so when he was given evidence the solicitor was like but you've lied to the special criminal court before and he was like yeah but I'm telling the truth now oh god so he was a really unreliable, unreliable witness and this trial went on, it was huge, Jerry Hutch was remanded in custody, he wasn't even allowed out on bail, and he was found not guilty mm. on Monday. Now, to be honest, as someone who worked as a court reporter for a long time, I couldn't see it going any other way. Like, yeah. the evidence was really, really flimsy. Mm. So, David Byrne, I think we need to remember there's a victim mm. in all of this, so yeah. David Byrne was only 33 when he was murdered um, and shot, but anyway... Jerry Hutch was found not guilty on Monday and... Some session, I'd say. Oh, could you picture Summer Hill? I mean... Oh, and they love a party anyway. Well, I've seen Love Hate. Yeah. So. <laughs> but yeah, so Jerry Hutch is a free man. He has not been convicted. Now, two men were convicted. Jason Bonney and Paul Murphy were found guilty by the Special Criminal Court of facilitating the murder. They were charged along with Jerry Hutch, but Jerry Hutch himself wasn't... Um, found to, like the 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 judge's decision was so decisive that they were like, you didn't even prove he was in the country. Yeah, it was just very flimsy. It appeared. So the why did they offer doubt all that protection then if what he had wasn't good? Well, the guardy obviously thought it was enough mm. to press charges. Um, and I have to say, you know, the special criminal court, more people get convicted than not convicted. So that just shows you how bad yeah this evidence was. So it was a huge, huge trial. Um, Jerry Hutch and the Hutch family and the Kinahan organised crime. We remember, obviously, the feud, which many people died. Um, so this, I think people are looking at this as like the summation of like the conclusion or whatever yeah. because it was the Regency shooting that started the feud. Yeah. So it was going to be like a bookend now because the FBI are after the Kinahans. Um, the Hutches are a much smaller organisation and Jerry is seen to be at the head of it. And Jerry has always denied this and... Yeah, the Gardaí do not come out of this looking well. So talk to me then, because there's been massive fallout um, mm. in her. Mary Lou MacDonald has had to kind yeah. of defend herself. So during this gangland trial, Mary Lou MacDonald, the president of Sinn Féin, was brought up because the car was bugged. And in the car, when Jonathan Doyle is talking to Jerry Hutch, he says, um, he's given off about Mary Lou. He said that Mary Lou should have went to um, Jerry Hutch's brother died. And he said, well, Mary Lou was very disrespectful enough going to the funeral. Uh, he said something along the lines of she was good enough to take money off you. She was good enough, you know, to get the votes off you. And Mary Lou McDonald has said, I do not know Jerry Hutch. I've never met Jerry Hutch. There's no reason I would have went to that funeral. But Jonathan Doyle was a Sinn Féin counsellor for a very brief period of time. <clears throat> and Mary Lou and Sinn Féin have always said if they had known what he was up to, he wouldn't have been anywhere near Sinn Féin. But... 
Fianna Fáil and Fianna Gael um, have obviously let on this because also Jonathan Doyle donated a thousand euro to Mary Lou McDonald's campaign. Now they're saying like she should give that money back or whatever. But um, there was also evidence in the trial. So Brian Keane, who is like a head honcho in Sinn Féin and Leinster House, confronted Jonathan Doyle about um, shots had been fired at Jonathan Doyle's uncle's house. And apparently this staffer in Sinn Féin had confronted him about it. And what Fianna Fáil and Fianna Gale are saying is like, well, you obviously knew he was up to some sort of criminality. And like the thing for me is like, in Mary Lou's constituency, she runs alongside Pascal Donahue, who's the Minister for Public Expenditure. Mm-hmm. And he said that her position wasn't credible and that how that she didn't know anything of his dealings. And then when someone asked him, well, did you know of his dealings? He said, uh, no, but he's not a representative of my party. I would point out that if they are both TDs in Dublin Central, you should know what's going on in your own constituency, whether they're councillors or not. Mm. Anyway, it's not going to go away. Like, it doesn't look good for Sinn Féin. Yeah. Whether they say they didn't know or not. It just, like, you do not want the president of your political party's name to be brought up on a gangland no. trial, even if she is not guilty of absolutely anything. And she has said repeatedly, she was like, I don't know Jerry Hutch. Yeah. Like, but it has been scandalous. Very well. Mm. Thank you so much. That was a really good explanation because <laughs> I have not been paying. I was like, I would just wait for Aoife to tell me. <laughs> Um, okay, so next up in news that won't be surprising to any woman, uh, more than half <coughs> of Irish women have experienced sexual violence. This is so grim. More than one in two women and almost a third of men have reported uh, experiencing sexual violence in their lifetime. According- almost a third of men. Yeah. I didn't, I missed that. 28%. That's... Yeah, according to the CSO, um, <clears throat> they said that 40% of adults experience sexual violence in their lifetime with higher levels among women, which is 52%. And men, 28%. Um, overall, sexual violence prevalence rates in the survey show an age effect with young people reporting higher levels. Mm. I would say this is my own like anecdotal view on it, but I think younger people are more, especially our age, and we're like more equipped with the language or whatever. Yeah, so they're more likely yeah. to call it out and say, yeah, I have been sexually assaulted. Mm. And then um, only 8% <clears throat> of those 65 and older say they have, which I don't, like that can't be right. No. Um, but I think it's more the language that we yeah. use and what you like class as sexual assault. So yeah. four times as many women than men reported experiencing non-consensual sexual intercourse over their lifetime and 10% of women experienced non-consensual sexual intercourse as an adult when they were unable to give consent. Mm. Um, it was 4,500 respondents, so pretty big survey. Um, and yeah, it's just... So depressing. So one in five adults experienced unwanted sexual violence as a child, and nineteen percent experienced um, unwanted non-contact sexual violence as a child. I do think this is more of a reporting thing. I don't think like we're any. I don't know. This is just my own view on it. But I think people say like my granddad's age or whatever maybe wouldn't have language or wouldn't feel as comfortable. Yeah. Talking about it maybe as we do because we talk about it a lot more now, especially with everything up with the church and yeah. and all this. Yeah, I think so too. But it's, I would just the only good we can take away from it is that people are talking about it more and yeah. people feel more emboldened to come forward. Yeah, yeah. Especially men yeah. because for a long time, obviously, men didn't. Yeah, because that's you know that almost a third is pretty substantial, mm. um, and I think it's it's really good that those men felt like they could say it had happened because I think you know unfortunately because of the patriarchy it is harder for men to admit things like that as well yeah okay um let's move on to this absolutely horrendous 
situation of a landlord in Galway sawing through the front door of one of his tenants. This is... It's so wild. The video is so shocking. Yeah. So there was... <clears throat> I believe he's a surgeon in uh, in Dublin. Or sorry, in Galway. Um, he was being um, evicted from his home um, where there was children. The landlord came to his door um, and racially abused him, said that he had a Quran in his car. So the, the surgeon himself is from Pakistan and he got like a circular saw, like a chain, we would call it a chainsaw, but a circular saw. And he basically started hacking in at the door and said, um, like, I'm going to cut the door down. I've been to the guards. If you refuse, the guards are going to come. And he was like, there's kids there like what you need to watch the video yeah watch like, the video because the because the the surgeon is like um opens the door and is mm. like step back let's wait yeah. like basically let's wait for the guards yeah and then your man comes at him with the saw he says to him he was like you're going to muhammad no matter where yeah. you go in this life i will follow you after today like absolutely the, the landlord is so emboldened like nothing's ever going to happen to me i'm completely within my rights here it is so shocking the guardie have apologized um because they said that like the surgeon himself said I was completely let down by the Gardaí so they released a statement then and said yeah like this wasn't on but like the the main thing about this is like this is the thing this is a a surgeon you know like a well-educated like middle-class man whatever this is going to happen constantly now these landlords feel completely emboldened yeah. like because the eviction man is over and when he phoned the guardie he said that they asked if i was in a specific apartment when i called and i said yes and they said you owe him money and he said i was in i was calling for help because i believe he intended to cut my throat open and he said they came to my house and asked me questions about when i was going to pay the outstanding amount to the landlord then they never came back yeah, I mean, that's wild. And the situation with the money was basically um, the the surgeon was paying his rent, but the rent kept bouncing back. Mm. And he was trying to contact the landlord and getting no response from the landlord. Mm. Um, and so he was putting the rent money aside because he wasn't physically able to pay him. Yeah. And then it turned out the landlord had changed his bank account and not told him. Yeah. So like... He had done nothing wrong. And the landlord was like, you haven't paid my rent in eight months. And mm. he's like, well, I literally have it here because it's been bouncing back. Yeah. Like, So the, the guardie came to his house and said, we're very apologetic. And they asked him about he would want to proceed. And he said, I don't know what to do because now I do not trust the system. I know that this man could be picked up, released within 24 hours, and then I'll have to deal with him again. My yeah. intention is to pay the rent to the new bank account that is outstanding against my solicitor's advice so I can move on and get my family to a safe situation. Like, it's just, I think... You know, we have to acknowledge this is quite an extreme case. Yeah, I mean, but they had a chainsaw. But it is symptom of the current culture, which is like landlords above all else. Or it certainly mm. feels that way for lots of people. Yeah. And again, like I always want to add the caveat. I'm not saying that all landlords yeah. are like this. Not all they're landlords. not. I mean, they're really not. And, and we know landlord. that. Exactly. Um, but like, you know, this is so worrying that this man felt like this was an appropriate course of action. When yeah. in, and it when was in also, fact, the error was his. Also, the stuff that he was saying was so racist. Yeah. Like, he was like, I have a Quran in my car and I want to set it on yeah, like, yeah, like, but, but then, you know, that fact that like he called the guardie because he was being physically attacked and the guardie were like, well, you owe him money. Like, yeah. what? So uh, again, he has a chainsaw. And then people get mad about a picture of the guards at an eviction. 
a bit of art I don't know it's wild okay um, and then also I thought this was interesting ju- this week just staying on housing for a quick minute I see that mm-hmm. Threshold said that 75% of notices to quit for renovation purposes obviously if you want to evict people you have to have a good reason yeah. and one of them is to be to be doing work on the house they said 75% of notices to quit uh, for renovation they dealt with this year were invalid I'm not surprised <sighs> It's not good out there, guys. Um, now, I want to acknowledge the, the shooting of Ralph Yall in America. Um, this is the saddest thing I have ever heard. So this 16-year-old boy in Kansas City Ralph Yarl, sorry, was um, going to collect his younger siblings when he went to the wrong house, rang the doorbell, and an 84-year-old man called Andrew Lester shot him. Um, thankfully, Ralph is still alive. He has survived. He's in, um, hospital. They reckon he's going to be okay. Mm. Um, this 84-year-old man, Lester, turned himself in on Tuesday and he was freed on a bond. This kid did nothing wrong other than ring a doorbell. Yeah. And was shot. So people are calling for this man, Lester, to be charged with a hate crime. Um, he is, he is charged, um, with assault. But people are saying like it was obviously a hate crime because the only reason he shot him was because he was a black teenager. And like people have con- consistently made this point is like, especially older people in America who are watching right wing news channels yeah. are being frightened yeah. out of their wits yeah. and then armed to the teeth. Yeah. And then when someone rings in their doorbell, they shoot them. Like, well, this is the thing because like the Daniel Ludwig, who is the your man's grandson, mm. basically who said he's very close to his grandfather. He said he believed that he genuinely thought he was in danger, but the shooting obviously should never have happened. He said, yeah. "I'd go visit my grandma and I would get lost on those streets. It's easy to do; they all look the same and everything." Like so, he's saying like I can completely understand that this kid got confused. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I totally acknowledge that he same. should not yeah. have been shot. Obviously, this is awful, but I think he really thought he was in danger, and yeah. that's the thing. Like what's being created is a culture of fear based on racism and as you say you know people who are heavily armed like who don't need to be heavily armed and the other thing is now that this man might get off of it because Missouri has a stand your ground law which means the law allows the use of deadly force if a person believes that their life is in danger but sure anyone could say that Anyone could say, "Oh, I thought my life was in danger." How are you? How was your life yeah, in danger? How do you, if you rang that? the doorbell. And another thing that happened this week, um, and this is a white woman. Yeah, she was thing. shot dead in New York after her fr- after pulling into the wrong driveway. She pulled in the wrong driveway, and someone shot her in the head and killed her. Like what is? And then there was another actually shooting this week of some cheerleaders who, um, one of them accident. They went to drive home. Mm. Um, four of them were getting into a car. Uh, one of the girls in the dark tried to open the wrong car and again shot, shot her. Like it's just like it's you can't, great. You can't, like how you are can, they doing it still? You can't build a nation on fear and being afraid of everyone that comes near you and it comes from like the media they consume yeah. constantly. It's like everyone is your enemy. You must be afraid all the time. Yeah. And then also then making these people who are hyper paranoid and be like would you like an AK-47? It's crazy. It's uh, Obviously, we just I know I know we've said it a million times. Okay, and because I really, really, really wanted to finish on something good, let's talk about yet another unbelievable result from Razadat Adelecki. We love to talk gal, about sport. So fast. Oh, she's amazing. In only her second outdoor race of the season, and only a day after she had beaten her own Irish record for the two hundred meters. The she's from Dublin. Razadat Adelecki. <clears throat> 
smashed her national best in the 400 meters, breaking the 50 second barrier in the process. So I love this. I uh, the 42.ie, who are like the sports arm of the journal, said for context, Adelecki's time in today's event would have claimed fourth in last year's worlds or sixth at the Tokyo Olympics. So this girl is serious, and she keeps breaking her own records, and she is a real prospect. Yeah, she's just for re- at this stage, she's just racing against herself. She's unbelievable. She's 20 years old. She's in university in America and she's killing it and isn't it just great to hear about that kind of success so go Mm. on Razadat okay all right well that's it for the news (laughs) something unorthodox is happening this week my friends I presume I'll tell you about it you already know because I will probably talk about it in the introduction which I have yet to record this is this is the nature of podcasting everything's recorded out of order um but yes you'll be hearing from Aoife again in just a little while Now, my interview guest today is Sinead O'Shea, who is a filmmaker from Navin, who decided to return to her hometown to explore, well, really the control of the Catholic Church in that town in the time that she was growing up and previously. Um, and I, as you'll hear, I initially, when I when I heard about the film and I didn't really know what it was about, I was like, oh, God, <sighs> you know we've heard a lot about the Catholic Church and the impact of the Catholic Church on this country. I don't know how much more of it I can take, to be honest. Um, But this film is very different to anything I've ever seen before. It is uplifting. It is hopeful. And I really loved it. As you'll hear, Sinead is an absolute gem, completely lovely. And uh, I hope you enjoy this chat. So Sinead, when I've been speaking to people about this film, and I have been speaking to people about this film nonstop, I was literally yesterday telling everybody they have to go and see it. What I always lead in with is I didn't know if I had it in me to really engage with another piece of media ostensibly about mother and baby homes before I knew anything really about the film. And then I went to see it and I was like, this is so brilliant, so uplifting so different to anything I've ever seen on this topic before. I just really feel like everyone should see it. Did you, when you were going into it, did you have any sense of mother and baby homes? <laughs> or, you know, were you just really excited to tell the story? No, no, I, I had similar thoughts and I had done a lot of reporting on a lot of very upsetting but dismal mm. church stories. And, um, that actually was the really big appeal of this story. Oh, finally, we get to tell something that's uplifting and it's a story of resistance. I guess I'm kind of smiling a little because I then pitched it to Screen Ireland who financed and I was like, this is a really good news story. And when I showed them their rough cut, they were like, this is like they were really upset. They're like, I thought you said this was going to be really good. So I suppose maybe the best way to pitch it is that it's kind of a mixture. That it is. It's, yeah. There is certainly suffering, but there's a lot of surprises. And it is, I I honestly think it's a really positive story. It's funny as well, then when we were screening in the US and in Canada, I kind of bouncily introduced it, saying this is a good news story from Ireland. <laughs> what is this? So I guess it doesn't quite align with what an American good news story yeah. is, but by Irish yeah. standards... <laughs> 
<laughs> this is really cheerful. <laughs> well, it's true because for you know, for people who aren't familiar, the film is about it's really about a couple who oh, obviously my f- computer's going off. It's really about a couple who um, you know, weren't happy with what was going on and fought the kind of system that was oppressing women and oppressing children and oppressing everyone really, you know, via the Catholic Church. And I had never heard I had never even thought there must have been people who were fighting against what was going on. But of course there were. Yeah, I guess I was kind of the same. It was all just so all kind of nebulous or, or just strange. You know, your childhood is so strange whenever you try to think about it, or mine is, anyway, mm-hmm. that you don't, you just don't really have the vocabulary when you're a child to describe certain things. So then you just leave off maybe thinking about them or something yeah. all the time. But of course, it you're right, it made sense. There were people trying to assert themselves, I'm sure, all over the mm, country. There must have um, been. But certainly when I was growing up, the idea, the concept of resistance would have just been unthinkable and you know it's funny because like uh just god genuinely was an omnipotent character in my life like literally god was everywhere Mm. and god was watching us and i was talking to god all the time i was quite devout Mm. and um you know we were always praying so they're really just it was so ingrained in the state and, you know, the schools and mm. the health system. There there just didn't seem any scope for resistance. But then, as as you say, there was actually this whole resistance in Nelvin, where I'm from, of all places, which I completely missed. Yeah, it's funny. So I didn't grow up religious at all. I, my family, we moved to America when I was seven. So I really was removed from, you know, Catholic Ireland. Um, and but but my parents weren't religious either. And I and I went to a non-denominational primary school, which is really like in the early 80s is quite something. Um, yes. So I don't have that experience of of living under God and the church. But it is, I I mean, the film, as we say, like, you know, I found it quite uplifting, but like, you know, you have to provide the context and the context is so grim. Like, it's so grim. Well, I mean, the news stories from that era, you know, Carrie Babies or Anne Lovett, I mean, they're just, they're broke. You know, they're crazy. These like insane theories that explained women's behavior, women's, sinful behavior i.e. having sex ever yeah. you know it was just such a a horrible period for women especially the 1980s and you know that's really recent for a yeah. lot of us that was when our childhood took place um i have to say in its defense that i didn't find, find catholicism itself entirely gloomy you yeah. know that i think there is a kind of privilege i suppose in in dealing with text at quite a young age that wrestles with ethical issues and that just this, I, you know, there's just a lot in the Bible. (laughs) (laughs) It's a long book. It's very long. (laughs) And a lot of it makes a lot of sense. And I suppose I'm very, the idea that morality should guide your decisions. I don't think that's the worst way to no. live your life. No, and it's funny, over the years, I've been kind of accused by various people on Twitter and stuff of being like, you know, anti-Catholicism or anti-religion. 
And I'm not at all. Like, I think there is such good to be taken. My aunt, I have a grand aunt who was a nun um, until she died. And she was such a beautiful person. And, you know, really, I thought the idea of the day she died, she was walking up the stairs in the convent and she turned to one of the other nuns and said, I feel I'll be with sister whoever soon. Uh, and, and someone who, one of their members. I don't know the words, mm. um, <laughs> who had died kind of in, in recent times. Sisters. Sisters. And I thought, how beautiful to, to have that peace and oh, to, incredible. you know, to feel so happy about and, and peaceful about moving on to this next, you know, well, dying. What am I talking about? <laughs> to, to have that peace. But kind that's of, the entire lure, of yeah. course. And if you, if, you know, this death is dreadful and so if you have the compensation for of there being a heaven well, of course mm. that's very very incentivizing yeah. to believe in catholicism there's there's a lot that's very attractive about it you know the churches themselves they're just so, so beautiful. beautiful they are a place of peace a mm. lot of the time um but i think where its power became unchecked and it was especially unchecked in Ireland you know this isn't in our heads you mm. know it was a very very dangerous and difficult place if you fell foul of the kind of community mm. regulations and church and state did work together to mm. make life impossible for people who didn't fit into what their idea of a community should be mm. so Catholicism itself isn't the problem um and there there's plenty about it to admire yeah so as I said, the film is about a couple who did kind of resist yeah. um, the rule uh, of time of the time. Dr. Mary Randalls is the kind of central character, I suppose. Well, also you, um, which I think Ish. is so great. I love that we see you and hear your voice throughout. Um, but Dr. Mary Randalls, oh, what a woman. I know, she's amazing. She's so funny. How did you, how did you come to know her? Like, how did this yeah, come to you? So I'm glad for the opportunity to say this. Um, I had an old school friend who became the mayor of Navan. <laughs> <laughs> so when her name is Sinead Burke but she was Sinead McGuire then and when Dr. Paddy died she this was campaigned and strategized to have a bench um, put up to him and so I had just finished my first feature film A Mother Brings Her Son to Be Shot and um, I I met her and she said oh you know I think you should look into the story of Dr. Paddy Randalls and the corporal punishment extravaganza that he yeah. was part of and um, I said, OK. And so I met Mary. And so she told me all about Paddy. And I mean, it's an absolutely brilliant story. I, mm. I was very captivated. And I found Mary very funny. Mm. And so she was very keen that I make a film about Paddy and yeah. corporate punishment. And this is going to sound really mercenary, but I was thinking I would love to do that. But I don't know. I feel such a I feel so tacky saying this, but can you get a whole feature yeah. out of that story? Yeah. And I thought, no, you can't. But then... Anyway, eventually I decided I would try. Um, but then the mother and baby home report came out in 2021. So I was talking about it to Mary and she just said, oh, you know, when I think of all those women that we used to hide down here, I just feel so upset about how this report has failed them. And I said, what women, Mary? <laughs> and I just wonder, would she ever have mentioned this yeah. to me if it wasn't for that report? Um and so, yeah, Mary is the master of the understatement. Mary is the master of evasion. She's the master of the strategic giggle. Mm. She never 
will say straight on that she did so much yeah. that, you know, she brought contraception to Navin. She hid women in her house. She helped women get rescued from mother and baby homes. She was responsible for this network where, like, the women hiding in her house would write letters to her brother in London who would send the letters on to the girls' families in Ireland with a British postmark so that they wouldn't know where these girls were. Wow. Like, and this was all Mary, but she'll... You can't, you have to like sidestep around it. Yeah. She's such a fear. It's interesting. I mean, there's reasons for it. She's a big fear of sounding grandiose or boastful. Yeah. And I, but I also think it's to do with being an Irish female of that generation, perhaps my own, where it's quite difficult to be straight on, straightforward. Mm. You have to be kind of a little bit charming, mm, a little coy, bit seductive yeah. about mm. things. You can't ever make men feel bad (laughs) yeah just the phrase hiding women in their house I have like a visceral reaction to it the fact that women needed to be hidden in Ireland yeah it's it is extraordinary and it's so complex that issue because it's not straightforward you know the mother and baby home report was you know it's kind of disgraceful in a lot of ways um But it's not clear yet, you know, exactly how, and we will just, I think it's just going to be a very long process for Irish people, how those women came to feel so bad in themselves that sometimes they were presenting themselves to the home. So what what was happening there? And I I think that's a really big process for Irish people to figure out how we interacted with the state and the church. You know, the, there was the church and their ideas. The state kind of followed with them because they had no money. And so they were like, great, the church has money. They'll mm. do all, they'll provide the services we can't provide. Mm. But how do we relate to that, I suppose, yeah. is the question. I was really struck watching the film by all of the women in it. Um, just incredible people. They, they're so lovely. But so many people who have been through such difficult things and yet, are still going and, you know, are able to, you know, speak to you and, and and present themselves in this way, which is a really brave thing to do, you know, to revisit really difficult times in your life in such a public way. Like the strength is, I don't have the words for it. Like Audrey, it's mind blowing. So beautiful to hear. I, I'll pass that on to them because they found that you know, I was very fortunate because they loved Mary so much and Mary mm. wanted the film made. So that mm. was how um, they agreed to meet me. And I had very little time with them. And they they genuinely just sat there and kind of told me what had happened. But then I think Betty, for example, was saying, I didn't know this was a film, <laughs> you know, after there was a camera there. And they, I just think that they've been a little worried that they said too much. Still, they're kind of self-censoring. Mm. And there's such a beauty, I think, in how they express themselves. You know, mm. every, everything is so understated. Mm. And so few words are mm. used to describe these crazy experiences, which, yeah. I mean, I try to think how we would describe those experiences. Well, this is what I'm thinking. I mean, I'm, I think I'm, exceptionally uh here are all my feelings I'm presenting them to you like obviously that's not everyone is like that but like I would never stop talking about it 
Like if I had been through an experience like that and it was finally being acknowledged that it was wrong and bad, I would never shut up about it. I would be like, do you know that this happened to me? I, this is unacceptable. I would though. And yet these women are so composed and it's just well, they're so impressive. It's different. They know they're really fearful. I, oh. I don't and that, know. And that kills me. Yeah, I don't think it's a healthier attitude yeah. that they have. I really don't. I mean, I think to an extent that perhaps sometimes we can all over-emote about our deficiencies and they could do with a little bit more self-actualization. Yeah. But I, I definitely, no, I don't think we should admire the fact that Betty just describes someone shouting at her in labor as something that was not nice, quote unquote. You yeah. know, it's... Um, I think we should feel great compassion for her that she feels like that. I found that that aspect of her story so upsetting. <sighs> the idea of being in labor, obviously without pain relief, without any support, on your own, and you have someone shouting at you. I know. You deserve abusing this. You, you brought this on yourself. I'll slap you if you don't stop. Can you imagine being threatened with a slap in labor? As if it's not horrific enough. I, I think about the nuns themselves, because when we yeah, talk about women of that generation, what, yeah, how did they get to that point where they felt emboldened to act in that way? How did they convince themselves? I, I, I find it hard to compute that they could convince themselves that it was right. Yeah, I mean, I guess they were deriving inspiration from a system that just was so patriarchal mm. and for a certain kind of intelligent woman who you know this the, being a nun provided an outlet mm. you know for her abilities that just wasn't available to yeah. women in a non-religious setting so yeah. I imagine that was positive in some ways but it could, probably was quite frustrating in others mm. and I, I just I suppose in a way that they were hypnotized too, you know, that they were brainwashed also to believe that um, a woman having sex outside marriage was just worthy of contempt, mm. that her child was sinful, that her child should be sold, that her child should be subject to medical experiments without any kind of permission. Like they did manage to dehumanize the women, yeah. but I, I do think it connects to how they were trained from an early age and kind of indoctrinated themselves. Yeah. But the dehumanization is very chilling. And I, mm. I think maybe it's the thing that frightens me most in any scenario when you see somebody being dehumanized. Mm. It's really terrible. Um, so yeah, thank God. God for the Randalls. I mean, it's yeah. so it's so unexpected as you watch yeah. watch Betty and Edna, the, these impossible odds. And yeah, it's, it's okay. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, obviously, you know, as you're listening to this, you probably haven't seen the film. There have been some screenings, but it's out today as you're listening if you're listening on Friday um, and I really can't encourage you enough to go and see it because you it, it is it is just you know that there's this this story that people say someone someone's mother told them you know whenever something bad is happening look for the helpers there's always people helping oh, I always idea. see this on the internet I don't know where it originally came from but this is I feel like the film is the definition of that like we 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 know I was gonna say we know so well but we know reasonably well the horrors of what went on in this country and the way that women were treated specifically women um but I had never seen the helpers before yeah. and it, it really makes you it gives you 
just a, a, I think a, a better feeling about the people of this country. Yeah, I, I agree. I think it shows that. I just think it's really reassuring to know that there was some kind yeah. of resistance and there is something for once to celebrate yeah. in the past. Because, you know, it's funny in Ireland, we were not really given to much nostalgia because there's just nothing yeah. to feel great about <laughs> in our past. It's like, oh, we were, our economy was even worse that year. Well, Italian know. 90, I think, is the only. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's, that's, a good that's why we keep talking about it. Yeah. <laughs> I met someone recently and she was like, what, you didn't win Italian idea? Yeah, it was the quarters. But it was brilliant. It was so brilliant. And yeah, there's very little for us to celebrate. And so there... Yeah, there's something great in this. And you've got Mary, who's just such a funny person. And kind of very bemused by yeah. this level of attention yeah. at this point I think people are going to love it how are you feeling about it being out out oh. <laughs> oh. no for the sick truth Sinead is having a um, physical response to that question yes sorry <laughs> um some regret I mean <laughs> but it's too late I suppose um yeah we're we've got screenings in Navin which um I can I mean I don't know it's just Sorry, I've like about 10 conflicting thoughts and I can't articulate yeah. one of them. But well, I think that kind of says a lot. <laughs> um, I do I do think it's good in a way. I, I had in my head a couple of years said to myself, I need to be a bit more ingenuous about my background. Because I did just Scarborough Dublin when I was 17 and I kind yeah. of didn't really ponder my background too much. Um, so it's good. I, I, my being in the film came at the very last minute. Actually, the whole thing was kind of done and... Mm. And then we kind of decided to put it in and didn't really love it. But uh, it does help the narrative a bit. Yeah. Is that the question you're asking? It's the question I, I want to answer. Well, no, I think, I think so the way I, that really you answered actually, I think, gave us, gave us everything we need to know. Stop. It's tricky. It's hard to make things <clears throat> about the place like, that you're from. Oh, and it's awful. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's scary. Yeah. Like the best thing about documentary is that it's real, but it's the worst thing too. And yeah. you just... Uh, yeah I just don't want I I do think ultimately it's quite a nuanced portrait and there is because there is so much to celebrate yeah and it's not black uh, black and white but um what's that Muhammad Ali thing it's always the punch that comes from nowhere that knocks you out I think you can prepare yourself what you like but um, something terrible may happen. Well, I am very fundamentally Catholic. I think. <laughs> <laughs> well, as I have, I think, made abundantly clear, I really, really loved this film. I'm really glad for your certainty and strength here. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like I kind of deconstructed it for you. I know, but that's, it's, it's so hard when you work for so long and so hard on something it's and then you, yeah, it's really tough. I think anyone who's ever created anything <laughs> knows that feeling, but I think it's going to be a huge success. I hope that everyone goes to see it and, um, I wish you all the best. I hope you can shake off that feeling of insane anxiety. <laughs> Sinead O'Shea, thank you. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, she is. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... 
All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Well, it's time to talk to Eva Moore again. <laughs> uh, yeah, there was a lot to talk about. Hamilton's coming to Dublin. Eva had opinions about that. Eva had opinions about everything, which I love because she said to me, she was like, I'm not even going to read the stories before we start because I want to come at them fresh. And yet she had lots of takes. Um, I had a great laugh. I hope you enjoy listening to it. Here are your showbiz stories of the week. Well, look, the truth is I kind of messed up my bookings of the entertainment slot this week. I have been girl bossing too close to the sun with the live shows and stuff. I dropped the ball a little bit. And so I said to Aoife, Aoife, how would you feel about me telling you the entertainment stories this week? I am so excited to not know anything. I haven't even looked at the stories. I was like, do you know what? I want to go on fresh. I want to be educated. So that's what's going to happen now. I apologize for this disruption to normal services. Things will resume Bring back as Cassie. normal that's next week. That's what I say. <laughs> 100%. Um, okay, so... First story, Aoife, Hamilton is coming to Dublin. I hated the film. <laughs> okay. Me and my ex-boyfriend, he was like, oh, well, we know they had like the film on Netflix, but it's like a film of the show. Yeah. You know, they don't talk. I, I do. They, they sing yes. the entire way. Nah. Yeah. After I've, an I've hour, seen Hamilton. After an hour, I was like, can we turn this off? And he was like, no, we need to come out. Like, we've already started. And I was like, ah, no. Like, don't get me wrong. I thought the talent is amazing. The lyrics. Uh, I mean, don't get me wrong. But I was like, can someone not just speak words? Like, it's too much singing. I just think you, the, when they film stage shows like that, because it's not, that's what they did. Like, they filmed the mm. stage show. It's just never the same. Like, you're no, not getting the same. It isn't. It's, it's not like the same feeling. It's like when you see feeling. a play on TV, you're like, nah, this Yeah, you don't, you, you, I think you need to be there. But is it going to be as expensive? Because remember when Hamilton came out, like, the tickets were like gold dust in Broadway and like everyone was talking about how expensive it was? Well, it won't be as expensive as Broadway because Broadway tickets are insane. Like, you could be paying four or five hundred year or oh, yeah, year girl, me and Lorraine went to uh, Chicago and Lorraine had to pay $36 for a glass of warm white wine and she's still talking about it I know I know when I did my trip to New York in October I went to two Broadway shows she's still talking yeah she's dead right she should be it's absolutely I mean it's wild but then did you see the prices at Coachella this week isn't it like 500 pound for like a day ticket well I'm not even talking about the tickets I was a flat out let me tell you I was flat out on TikTok watching the girlies having fun things I learned um I'll get to the prices now in a moment um I already knew that you can only drink in certain like penned in areas at Coachella what yeah did you not know that I mean there's a reason I've never been and that's 
no way one of them no it's it's meant to be like not the crack um and then also i learned that the camping setups oh my are God. you did send me the tiktoks in Sane. So like me and Aoife went to the extra picnic last year and I woke up every every morning on the floor beside the air mattress, like clutching a, like an old sleeping bag. Like we were like one of my fake eyelashes stuck to your head. Yeah. Like, and as Aoife said, like we thought we were being fancy because we didn't bring our monkey boots into the sleeping yeah, we section. Our, of we the took pack. our shoes off before we went to bed and thought we were fancy. <laughs> These people have the most elaborate. They air con. They have showers Wild. in their tents. Oh my it's, God. Wild. Lads, get a baby wipe and live your life. You know what I mean? But anyway, um, they and they, how dirty are they getting? How dirty are they getting? Apparently, it's just dusty. Oh, the dust, yeah, of course. Um, but I was like, they're not rolling around in the muck if they're no not one, drinking. No one's peeing on their leg yeah. at the main stage. You know what I mean? <laughs> but the food and drink is so expensive. Like I couldn't get over it. Like one girl had like two. I don't even know if they were alcoholic drinks. And like it was like two bagels. I feel like I'm underestimating this now, but it was like $65 for... Which is basically like 60 quid. A bagel and a drink. Yeah. Like, I mean, just like insanity. So anyway, no, Hamilton will not be as expensive. Um, we went on such a tangent. I know, I enjoyed that. Um, Hamilton will not be as expensive okay. as it is Where in is Broadway. It? It's going to be on in the Borgosh Theatre and it's going to be on from September 17th to November 16th, which is a long That's time. That's what I say. That's quite a run. It's a long time for a show to be in the Borgosh in Ireland. So we'll have two months to see it and I know people are going to be really excited. I had... An attack of IBS when I went to see it uh, when my husband spent a fortune on tickets in London and missed a large chunk of the show um, so I will be there I know I went to Libas in London with my ex and you know that's like three hours long see when he got shot at the end I was like oh thank god <laughs> oh I can't sit here I, any I longer I think maybe you're just not a musical person <laughs> that's the vibe that I'm getting here uh, I was like looking at he was loving life and then when your man got shot I was like oh Jesus thank god it must be over <laughs> I love Les Mis. Um okay anyway that's great news also, for musical fans also spoiler for Les <laughs> okay then oh god Christy Dignam who obviously we all oh, know from Aslan yes um, gave a beautiful interview it has to be said with Ryan Tuberty this week um, I know it brought a lot of people to tears he was diagnosed with a rare form of blood cancer 10 years ago in 2013 but he's now receiving palliative care and he basically was saying that like you know he would have been delighted to think when he was first diagnosed to, to think that he'd have another 10 years but yeah. now he just wants another 10 basically uh, he's like completely and totally loved by the Adored. nation yeah he's just such a like gentle lovely person yeah he said he sees palliative care as the conveyor belt up to heaven and he said I believe oh. we're all spiritual beings in some sense or other I remember there used to be an old saying that religion is for people who want to go to heaven spirituality is for people who have been to hell and so he oh. describes himself as spiritual that's gorgeous it's a really beautiful interview it is available to listen to I think it's like clipped on Spotify and stuff so mm. if you wanted to go and listen to it um, it is really moving and he's a great man and you know everything I've seen you know he's obviously been through a lot and he seems to have just the most gorgeous relationship with his family and I'm Mm. sure it's a really difficult time for them but I hope that the fact that so many people love him and are you know so moved by him and are rooting for him will give them some comfort because it's obviously going to be a very difficult time for all of them Mm. okay next up Fontaine's DC were nominated for an Ivor Novello Aoife just rolled her eyes very hard (laughs) I wasn't going to include the Ivor well I'm including it not for me I'm sure they're lovely fellas. Not for me. It's a lot of shouting. <laughs> I love the band. I love the music of Fontaine's DC. I don't think they're very shouty. I like shouting Oof. in music. 
No, not for me. I like all types of music. Um, but but it, well, I mean, we're part of their album. Well, it's a big, it is It is a big deal. <laughs> I'm sitting here like a granny. You're like, I'm like, Fontaine's who? <laughs> no, I'm enjoying it. Um, yeah, it, I mean, it's a, it's a, it's, it's a songwriting award. It's a songwriting yeah. award in the UK. It's kind of the equivalent of the Choice Music Prize, but obviously it's on a, like a much Amy bigger Wayne scale. One. Yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. it's really like, I remember when Lily Allen, Lily Allen's last yes. album, which was mm-hmm. amazing, by the way, if you didn't listen to it, I absolutely loved it. Didn't do that well kind of commercially, but when she was nominated for an Ivor Novello, she was like, that's, that's all that's she a, needed. Yeah. yeah, just to acknowledge the songwriting. That's class. Have many Irish people been nominated for such a thing? Um, A few, but like not loads, you and know. they're very young, aren't they? They're very young. Again, granny, you feel here. Yeah, they're young. They're young, young They're young lads now. Um, so it's great. I mean, they've been doing really, really well. No doubt about it. Their last album. I mean, great it's for the, for the album Fia. It's great for the town. Great for yeah. the people. Where are they um, from? They're from Dublin. No, I know, but where are the points in Dublin? Oh, I don't know. I, I think, want addresses. I think people have arguments codes. about like, they're, they're posh. They're, you know, they're... You know that argument that people have about like yeah. they're singing about this, but they're posh. Yeah, I, yeah. I actually have no idea where they're from or what their story is, but I'm happy for well, them. Happy for them. Well done, lads. Yes, and uh, now this I put in just for you because I felt you would enjoy it. Is it going to be something I know about? Someone has trademarked the phrase "Wagatha Christie." <sighs> Who do you think it is? Colleen Rooney. It's Rebecca Vardy. No. Yes. Oh my god, this woman. Honestly. <laughs> I know. Imagine getting that many L's and just keeping going. Like, she publicly defamed herself, spent millions trying to, like, save her name, made it ten times worse, and she just keeps going. I kind of like it. I respect it. Yeah. yeah. I, I'm like, yes, girl, you keep she going. She just doesn't give a fuck. No, I wish I had, like, one ounce of that IDGAF Do you know what it attitude. is, though? I really feel like if you want to be properly famous, you need to have, like... N- not have the shame bone. A hundred percent, yeah. And she does not have the shame bone. No, she she very definitely doesn't. I really believe that that's why a lot of Irish people don't reach like the upper echelons of fame because we are just we're too mortified with an inner yeah. but a shame. Yeah. And like to be you know that level of fame, you just can't be embarrassed. And it's I'm true. embarrassed. I'm embarrassed going to the shop. Like it's true. I have um a, a friend who is uh, quite well known in Ireland, and the two of us often talk about how much more successful we could be if we were just willing just to like debase ourselves. Yeah. <laughs> Like, but we just can't, I, I just couldn't I'm just too embarrassed I find it all so embarrassing See. like even doing the shows this week um, they were very the good production well, thanks the production team were like you know you know, these people came like they bought tickets for you because like mm. they didn't know and blah 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 and I was like can you please stop I am so uncomfortable yeah. like stop you are saying a- nice things about me I can't handle it as Melhoy says you're a pretty big wheel down at the cracker factory <laughs> Oh, but it's, yeah, it's it's very embarrassing. Anyway, but this is why wild. has she done this? Well, this is the thing. Like, she didn't come up with it. No. This is, this it was is, someone on Twitter. Yeah. And yet she has managed to f- trademark it. And um, obviously everybody knows. Uh, she is a loser. Oh, Aoife. Like, I'm sorry. She was so mean about Colleen Rooney, who I absolutely adore. And like, what, what a fucking loser. Like, I'm sorry. But... You do still have like a grudging respect for her. Yeah, I bet you the gays will love it. Mm. Like she's got that real camp. Well, this no is the thing. shame so, era. According to uh, Sky News, intellectual property experts believe Vardy may now use the Wagatha Christie brand to cash in, mm. and she could command a fee from anyone who uses the term. Um, it says the trademark could end up being used on clothes, beauty products, mugs, glasses, jewelry, and even not, and even non-alcoholic beverages. <laughs> 
And it says, given Vardy was ordered to pay 90% of Colleen Rooney's legal yeah, costs. Millions. Rumored to, well, it says 1.5 million probably. Yeah. Um, it could go a long way. But the thing about it is, is that like, I kind of think as iconic as Wagatha Christie was and like the whole thing was, mm. I feel like she's 2000 and late. Like, I feel like that moment <laughs> has been and gone. Like, are people really going to be buying yeah. Wagatha Christie merch there at was this really, stage? Did you watch that? They made a TV program of it. I didn't it, watch it. No. It was awful. Yeah. But um, yeah. Uh, but that's the thing. That's what I mean. She's a loser. Like, this is on down the line. She should have done this at the time. Yeah, it's too late. It's too late. Wasn't she mean about Peter Andre's Willie as well? That was very unfortunate, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, I don't enjoy the body shaming, girl. I he don't seems think, like a nice fella. I actually don't know that that was her fault, though. Like, I she think, said it was, he had a small Willie. But wasn't that, like, from texts or something? Hang on. No, I think she publicly said he had a small one. Andre, Rebecca, Vardy. Let's get this. This is why I'm Let's allowed to do the entertainment. Um, the moment Rebecca Vardy first told me about Peter Andre's Chipolata. Chipolata, that's what it is was. Is the headline on The Sun. Um, yeah. Anyway, long okay. story short. She yes, said, she, she shagged, was talking she about it and making fun of and it to many people. Made fun of his small one. Okay, so basically what happened was she told this story to someone and... And it said, the bubbly 22-year-old at the time I did hate, not hold back I when he pulled down his bubbly. trousers. I couldn't believe it. It was like a miniature chipolata. Right. First of all, chipolatas are in themselves small. So I, you don't need the word miniature there. But then it says, every, this is from The Sun. And this is by Jane Atkinson. Who Thanks, Jane. Who was told this story. She said, everyone giggled that day, Wednesday, March 10, 2004. That's my birthday. F- oh. <laughs> Great. At the photographic studio in Clapham, South London, where the now Mrs. Vardy had come to reveal all about her brief romance with the mysterious girl singer after he had appeared on I'm a Celebrity. Mm. The tale was retold to similar amusement in the Wagatha Christie libel trial Mm. in London's Royal Courts of Justice earlier this month. Oh, God. Poor Peter, he seems like such a nice fella. I know. And I actually just really don't like that kind of narrative about... Small dicks. Just like shut up, shut like. up. yeah, shut up. It's just not nice. It's also not that important. It's really not. Like leave leave men alone. Whoa. Whoa. <laughs> Whoa. Whoa. Wow. Wow. Maybe the maybe the transphobes in my mentions are right. Maybe, maybe all are. I care about is impressing men. Maybe that's what it is. Maybe we're just trying to constantly impress men. I mean, I doubt it, but no. we we could go. <laughs> No, but I think I don't want women to be body shamed and I don't want men to be body exactly. shamed either. Stop it's talking about bullshit. Yeah, stop yeah. talking about people's bodies in general. Yeah. Um, so actually staying with I'm a Celeb because that was why Rebecca Vardy <laughs> was talking about Peter Andre. I'm a Celeb All Stars is happening. I did not know about this. Aoife's rolling her eyes. Don't care. I love I'm a Celeb. And um, it's normally on, like starts in November, but yeah. they're doing an All Stars in South Africa. Oh, where they're bringing together some of the best people from previous series. So some of the names announced already include Carol Vorderman, Paul Burrell, who obviously former butler to Princess Diana. Oh my Diana. God, he'll probably start telling us Princess Diana's secrets Well, these the are all jungle. people who've already yeah. been in the jungle and yeah. were great characters, yeah. which is why I'm excited. Jordan Banjo, Sean Ryder. has milked Princess Diana's ghost for all it is worth. Well, I agree. Um, Jordan Banjo, who's from Diversity, who was oh, lovely him. on the yeah. show. Sean Ryder from the Happy Mondays, oh, who him. was gas. Yeah. Helen Flanagan from Carnation Street, Fatima Whitbread, who I think some sort of athlete. She was an athlete, yeah. Um, Phil Tufnell. Who's Phil Tufnell? Yeah, he, uh, he was a cricket player. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Amir Khan, boxer, boxer, and Janice Dickinson, who was a living uh, nightmare. Yeah. But very entertaining. Good TV, yeah. um, but there is a report in the Sun that says that they're also going to add 
Jillian McKeith. Oh my God. Do you remember when she was on it the first time though? She pretended to faint and stuff. Yeah, she was a nightmare. She is a nightmare. She's a body shamer. She absolutely is. But they're saying um, that these are the other people who they think they're going to put in. Dean Gaffney from EastEnders, Joe Swash. Oh, my friend stepped with him one night in in a club in Derry. Really? Yeah, Robbie from EastEnders. And how was it? Well, I mean, we were like 18, but yeah, she was loving life. Um, Andy Wyman, no idea who that is. Mylene Class, who obviously... Hearsay. Yeah. But I feel like when she was on I'm a Celeb, she it was, was just, just all... Bikini. Where, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I hope they, you know, that's not the coverage this time. And yeah. Georgia Toffolo, who I really enjoyed on I'm tough? a Celeb. Yeah, she's yeah. a Tory, but she was very entertaining. <laughs> Signed for um, a Tory. And I'm a Celeb. So yeah, I actually think that's going to be really entertaining and I'm excited about it. And then finally, staying with television, Neighbours. Did you know this? Neighbours oh, ended. Oh, I've heard this. Uh, it's coming came back. back. And Misha Barton's going to be in it. Yeah. Yeah, I'm happy for her. I'm happy for so her. So as someone who lived in Melbourne, so Melbourne is Neighbours and Home and Away is Sydney. Okay. So Ramsey Street is in Melbourne. And yeah, it finished and now it's coming back because people missed it so much. Right, which is great. But Misha Barton, she had a terrible time. She had a terrible time. I want nothing but good things for her. Mm. I'm just not sure she should be acting. Yeah. I just don't think she's a good actor. No, well, I haven't seen her since the OC. I, I like even. I would also like to just say, like, it's neighbors. She, it's not the Oscars. Do you know what I mean? Like, excuse I don't think, me. I don't I think, think there's very good acting I on don't neighbors. Think, like, acting is really going to come on. To it. Well, I just wonder how long she'll last. But like, but I am happy for her, and you know, more power to your Misha. I want her to do well. She's just a bit stiff or something. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Anyway, it's great that neighbors is back, and um, go on, everyone. Well done, everyone. So there you go. Um, it is. That's it. I'm so sorry about this, guys. <laughs> that's all I needed you to do was just be here with me, and you did that. You did that well. Thanks. It was very entertaining. But um, I I do apologize for dropping the ball. And um, yeah, it's been a week. It has been a week. Um, Ethan Moore, thank you so much. Thank you so much. Now, it is just about time for me to go and it will come as no surprise to you when I say I didn't get to watch a lot of TV this week. I obviously watched Succession because I'm obsessed with Succession. Still so good. Um, Other than that, I didn't watch much. I did watch The Real Housewives in New Jersey and Ireland, which is just wild. It actually makes me really uncomfortable (laughs) to see them in places that I have been and it just feels like a collision of real life and my like fantasy life because even though I know they're real people, they're not in my world, you know? I didn't, I was uncertain about it. Um, and like, they were like, let's have a pint drinking contest in like a pub on Chatham Street. And they were like downing pints again. So I was like, that's not a thing. We don't do that, do we? Certainly not anything I've ever experienced. Anyway, yeah, I didn't watch a lot of TV, but I did watch one documentary um, that is on Netflix. It's actually old. It's from 2017. I don't know. It was Netflix just kind of served it up to me. And I... I kind of was like, will I recommend it or won't I? So I guess I don't even know if I'm recommending it. I'm more just like making you aware that it exists because if you're into this kind of thing, it might be of interest to you um, because it's about Orthodox Jews, Hasidic uh, Orthodox Jews leaving their community and about the community and the way that the community treats them and some of the things that happen within the community. This is all in New York. Um and I personally am just pretty fascinated by, I suppose, extreme religion. Um, that I don't mean to be disrespectful when I say that, but I, I'm always interested in that. And I think closed communities 
like the Hasidic Jews are particularly, it's particularly interesting to learn about them and their culture. Um, but I found the most obvious, I mean, like you won't be shocked, but like the most interesting story in, in this documentary was about a woman who, I mean, was, uh, her husband was abusive and because of the way the community is set up, her children were taken from her. Um, it's it's really tough to watch. So as I said, it won't be for everyone. But from an informative standpoint, I think um, I would certainly find it interesting because I just love to hear about different people's experience. Anyway, if you want to watch it, as I said, it's from 2017. It's only an hour and a half. It's called One of Us and it is on Netflix. And that's kind of it, guys. I am going to a big family wedding this weekend. Very excited about it. I think it's going to be loads of fun. Um, so I'm finally, uh, once I get this uploaded, I'm going to switch off my work brain for a few days, which I'm very much looking forward to. I hope you get to switch off your work brain for a few days at some stage and have a bit of downtime because God knows we all need it. Thank you so much to all of my contributors. Uh, they are just simply wonderful. I know today that that kind of just meant Aoife and of course Sinead O'Shea. Um, thank you to ACAS for having me on the network. Don't forget, if you want to send me a voice note or any kind of feedback, ideas, thoughts, they can be on anything, 089-209-6423. I then respond to them in the Patreon mailbag episode. And of course, if you want to join the Patreon, it's patreon.com forward slash catch up with Louise McSharry. It really, I can't tell you how much it helps me to keep the show on the road, pay my contributors. I'm going to upgrade my equipment soon. So hopefully the sound will be better. And um, yeah, I mean, basically it just makes it possible for me to keep going. So um, I really, really appreciate all of you who have chosen to sign up already. And um, I, in advance, I'm thanking any of you who consider doing that today. Okay, my friends, have a good one. And if you can't, as I always say, just put one foot in front of the other. That's all we can do and a better time will come. Bye-bye. When we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com/style for free shipping and 365-day returns.